Hello, students. Thank you for joining me today on this month's deep dive episode on the EM Clerkship Podcast. If you haven't already, I would recommend listening to this month's episode of the game before proceeding for two reasons. One, it'll give you some context on the topic ahead. And two, it was a total bloodbath. So if you enjoy seeing me squirm on air, it's a pretty good one. Maybe not as bad as the lateral canthotomy episode, but still pretty bad. Before we proceed, just a quick word from our sponsors, Pearson Rabbits Insurance. Disability insurance is one of those things that many people do not realize the importance of until it's too late. It is especially important for specialized physicians to obtain own occupation disability insurance. This distinction is very important because it means that you will receive your full disability benefits as long as you are unable to work in your current specialty, regardless of your ability to work in other specialties or other roles. For example, let's say you're an otherwise healthy ER doc who tragically loses an arm in an accident and so you are no longer able to perform emergency procedures. You take on a new job where you spend your time teaching medical students as well as seeing patients in clinic once a week as a GP. With own occupation disability insurance, you would still receive your full disability payout regardless of the money that you are making as an educator slash GP. Sarah Pearson of Pearson Rabbits Insurance has first-hand experience going through this process and is available to guide you along every step of the way to ensure you get the exact policy you want. She is a physician and she speaks our language. Check out Pearson Rabbits at www.pearsonrabbits.com. That's P-E-A-R-S-O-N-R-A-V-I-T-Z.com. Now back to the episode. Today, we're going to be talking about neonatal resuscitation. There's a course called the NRP, which stands for Neonatal Resuscitation Program, which is a standardized approach to the resuscitation of a neonate taught as a certification course just like BLS or ACLS. Today, I'm going to run through the highlights of this course, which I think are essential to know. Probably the most important tip I can give you before we begin is to purchase one of these NRP pocket cards. Um, it's very similar to the BLS or ACLS cards that you get for completing those certifications. And I keep it with me at all times on shift. Um, you never know when you're going to need it. So without further ado, let's begin. Okay, so mom comes to the ER and has a precipitous delivery, uncomplicated luckily. Now you're holding this slimy alien looking thing and you're thinking to yourself, now what? Hard part's over, right? No, not yet. So the first step is to evaluate the baby. And you do this basically by calculating a crude APGAR score. Questions you care about are, is the baby crying or breathing spontaneously? Does the baby have good tone? Meaning, do you have a limp floppy baby in front of you? Or is it flailing around? And lastly, is the baby term? If the answer to these questions is yes, then go ahead and give the baby to mom for some direct skin-to-skin contact. If the baby is not crying or breathing, or has poor tone, or is a preemie, you may just have to nudge it in the right direction. There are three key interventions at this point if you need to give the baby a little nudge. The first is to stimulate, which is usually done by vigorously drying the baby with a towel. The second intervention is to warm the baby. Newborns lose their temperature very quickly, and hypothermia is associated with increased risk of all kinds of badness. In most cases, you put a hat on the baby and put the baby in a warmer. 
but if you do not have a warmer, I know this sounds barbaric, but you can put the baby bottom first in a plastic bag, leaving the head uncovered. And lastly, our third intervention is to open the airway. So this is a multi-step process that includes placing the newborn in a sniffing position, placing an oral or nasal airway if necessary, and finally, suctioning using a bulb suction only if necessary to remove excessive secretions. So again, our first steps here are to stimulate the baby, to warm the baby, and to open the airway, which we do by placing the baby in a sniffing position, inserting a nasal or oral airway if necessary, and suctioning if necessary. After we perform these interventions, we move on to the next step of the resuscitation. The next step of the resuscitation involves measuring a heart rate, usually manually. So at this point, if the heart rate is anywhere between 60 and 100 beats per minute, or if the newborn is still having labored or difficult breathing, then we attach the baby to a monitor, so telemetry and pulse oximetry, and begin positive pressure ventilation with a bag valve mask. When we deliver positive pressure ventilation, we start with room air, which is an FiO2 of 21%, and we go for a rate of 60, so one breath per minute, which is pretty easy to remember. Now, you're gonna get this newborn hooked up on pulse oximetry, and you're gonna see their oxygen saturation, and you're gonna freak out. It might be minute two or minute three of life, and you hook this baby up to pulse ox, and the reading is 70%. What do you do? Well, this is actually normal for minute two or minute three of life. So in general, at minute one of life, babies should have a pulse ox of around 60%. Every minute afterwards, it should increase by about 5%, so that by five minutes of life, they're above 80%. And then by 10 minutes of life, they're above 85 to 90%. It takes a while for these newborns to get going, so don't let the initial oxygen value startle you. So just to repeat for you guys, the second step is to manually measure a heart rate, and if necessary, attach baby to the monitor and begin positive pressure ventilation with room air at a rate of 60. Now, if the heart rate is ever less than 60, this is equivalent to a code situation in an adult. You begin performing chest compressions using the two-thumb technique. Here, your goal is to synchronize your compressions with your ventilations in a 3 to 1 ratio. To do this, the NRP has come up with a mantra, which you may have heard in our last episode. That mantra is 1 and 2 and 3 and breathe. Here, you compress on the numbers, the 1 and 2 and 3, and then you ventilate on the and breathe part. 1 and 2 and 3 and breathe. In addition to chest compressions, you start positive pressure ventilation with 100% FiO2 and obtain some kind of access, either via intraosseous line or via an umbilical catheterization line. After obtaining access, if the newborn still has a heart rate less than 60, you go ahead and intubate. If the newborn continues to have a heart rate less than 60 for a full minute after code measures are taken, this is when you start giving medications, specifically epinephrine and possibly a fluid bolus. Don't forget to check a glucose level and to supplement the bolus with dextrose if necessary. And that's the meat of the NRP. There are obviously some details that I left out that are nuanced and you will learn about when you eventually take the NRP course, 
but I think this is a good starting point for any medical student or new resident to kind of get a grasp on what we do here. So let's review one more time briefly. Step one is to evaluate the baby. If baby looks good, give directly to mom for some skin to skin. If baby looks meh or bad, then we have three actions to perform. We stimulate, we warm, and we open the airway. Next, we manually measure a heart rate. If that heart rate is between 60 and 100, or regardless of the heart rate, if the baby is working to breathe, we begin positive pressure ventilation at a rate of 60 with room air. If the heart rate is less than 60, this is a code blue situation and you begin chest compressions immediately. Synchronize these compressions to your ventilations using the one and two and three and breathe mantra. It's also important at this time to increase your FiO2 from room air to 100% and prepare to intubate. Before intubating, it can be helpful to establish access via umbilical catheter line or intraosseous line. And then if baby still has heart rate less than 60 at the one minute mark, this is when you can start giving medications such as epinephrine or fluids or dextrose if the glucose is low. That was a lot, I know. Med students, impress your attendings by learning the framework for the NRP. And residents, take this as a review and mentally rehearse a few cases so that you aren't blindsided the first time you have to run a neonatal resuscitation. And that's all I have for you today. Thanks for joining. Send us emails, m-i-k-e at emclerkship.com and z-a-c-k at emclerkship.com. Thank you to our sponsors, Pearson Rabbits Insurance. And until next month, keep working hard, keep studying, and be sure to enjoy your shift.